0: Good morning, Philip pilgrims, uh, travelers on the funny path of life. Welcome again to my little uh, silly random podcast. Today, I'm actually going to talk about making a sourdough starter and bounce off a conversation I have with Ruben, a Spanish man from uh, actually initially from Leon in Castilla-Leon in the north of Spain on the Camino of Santiago and who now lives in Barcelona. So without further ado, let's go on. Well oh, good morning folks. So here I am at it again let's see where that takes us sorry about my little uh, throat nose making so yesterday with my italian exchange student of uh, me learning italian and her wanting to improve her english we ended up (laughs) making two-thirds of an hour about making a mother starter and uh, interesting and of course i got really excited and it was fun you know to say it in italian or to try to anyway to the best of my ability so this is what i'm going to give you this morning because obviously before you can make the bread you have to cultivate the yeast so let's go so the process Here's one way you can go about it. Of course, by all means, check video on YouTube uh, or online. You can go and find so many ways to do it. Here's just one way. Um, You would start, of course, without a scale, without a digital scale. Of course, it can work. Obviously, people have done it before. I do personally love it, even more in a case of bread. I find precision very important, but that's just me. You can uh, you can do it without. So you would weigh 50 grams of. Sorry about that. I just brain farted. Let's do it again. You would weigh 50 grams of flowers and 50 grams of water. As far as the flour, um, I would use either the um, enriched or the higher gluten of the bread bread flour, actually even regular flour, but the, the bread flour has a little higher protein content which in a case of bread does help to provide structure, but that's a detail. So 50 gram flour and 50 gram water. I personally use whole wheat flour now exclusively for it and you would put it in like in a like in a glass jar or something that you can put something on top not to completely choke the, the, the seed that's what they call it when you start it, it's a seed uh, but something to prevent it from drying on top so you would uh, you could do a jar where you put the lid on and you barely screw it on top so there's a slight amount of air that goes in but not enough to really dry the dough and once you've mixed it long enough to not see the flour, where it's a homogenized dough, you leave it on a counter, room temperature, for two days and you're going to stir it two to three times a day, you know, four or five times around to just keep oxygenizing, to add oxygen to the, to the dough to help uh, accelerate the process. On a third day, You have 100 grams of dough, 50 grams of flour, and 50 grams of water, to which you're going to add 50 grams of water and 150 grams of flour, which will change the consistency of the dough. The same process, only this time you only wait one day before the next step, uh, the next refreshment. That's what they call it. So to refresh it, you now have 300 grams of dough, which that's too much. Because if you keep going that way, you're going to be having to add a lot of water and a lot of flour. And that will end up being a waste. So you would discard half of it, which would leave you with 150 grams of seed of that dough. And then the rest, we can talk about that later. So you have 150 grams of dough. You're going to add 50 grams of water and 100 grams of flour. Same thing, stir it two, three times a day, leave it on the counter. And then day fifth, you have uh, the same deal. You're gonna split your dough. You have 300 grams, so you're gonna bring it down to just keep 150 grams. And you're gonna add 50 grams of water and 100 grams of flour. Hopefully, by day four or even by day three, you're going to start to see action, maybe tiny bubbles initially and maybe a little smell, not pungent, but a little smell. And uh, that would be very welcome. That would mean you, your, your seed is becoming active. And um, at, the, at day six, you're going to take, again, 150 grams of your dough. And then you're going to add 75 grams of water and 75 grams of flour and then mix it. And then you're looking at that mother starter, which is not done, to about double in size. So you're looking at some decent activity, then you're looking at decent bubbles and activities as far as that's concerned. So you would leave it on a counter, what I like to do is wrap a rubber band around or you can use your marker or something to to mark your starting point so you have a point of reference and you leave it. And uh, What you're looking at is normally around eight hours. Add some doubling of the activity, sometimes more, sometimes a little less. It's not that big of a deal. Your mother starter is still very young, as you keep feeding, it will uh, also develop uh, further. And when that's the case, it's either ready to use or you keep it in a fridge. And here's I'm going to go against a grain, you do not have to, uh, what? One way you can do later on, you can use it straight from the fridge, whether one day after, one week after, two weeks after. Even though at the beginning, the idea of keeping refreshing is a good idea, but you can actually, if it has reacted, if it has become active, then your sourdough, you as collected, has, has developed those yeast, and therefore you have that culture. And therefore, as you add it to more water and more flour when you make your bread, it will be re- re-energized. And as far as all that extra dough that you get rid of, and that uh, 450 grams of dough, then that can be used. You can make crepes by just adding a touch of, uh, you know, whatever it is. If you want to make them savour, a little bit of salt and spices, or uh, sweet, you know, with a little bit of sugar and cinnamon, ginger, whatever. And then just milk until you get the consistency you want. And it will actually hold itself together and you can eat it that way. Meaning, you don't have to waste and throw it away. I just, uh, I'm not a big fan of that. And uh, I think that's enough for that. And uh, then we'll move on to the little chat that I had with Ruben. And he asked me so we talked about food and a little bit of a nutrition and an exchange of Spanish and English. And of course, I got fired up when he came down to uh, to nutrition. You know, even though I don't follow it anymore, I don't read about it anymore. I've spent many hours studying and researching it and, you know, being very passionate. But now the whole science of it is not that relevant for me anymore. And he asked me, you know, what do you think about the diet in Spain? And uh, I do have a tendency to avoid generalization, uh, I'm, I'm not a big fan. I'm not a big fan of putting a stamp of like right and wrong or good or bad. I, I, I just don't like that position. Uh, but he asked me and I was like, you know, I disclaim. as like, yeah, I'm not a big fan of generalizing. You know, if more, more like a case per case scenario, you know, if what you're doing work, works out for you. Yeah, good luck, my man. Have a great life. The part that's interesting, I'm sorry, the part that's interesting Is when it doesn't work out and you keep repeating the same behavior that part to me is interesting or even better you don't do well like I have seen with some people they come to talk to me I design a protocol they start to get better the biomarkers the lab work show progress they get excited and I call it the honeymoon period And then things happen, stress, things happen in life. And that emotional eating, that addiction kicks in and bam, it is more important than their health. So it is very, very, the field of the the psychology of eating is a very interesting field to to delve into and to strategize. So that part to me is interesting. So after disclaiming that, uh, you know, generalization is, I'm not that keen on it, but Okay, and we were practicing. So I was like, okay, let's go in English and see how I can try to remain in a gray area as much as possible. And uh, basically, my my, uh, my no my assertion, my, uh, oh my goodness, I can't find the word. My view of it, best, uh, my, at least I can pick up that word. My view of it is that, no, I don't think the Spanish diet is healthy. You know, there is too much fried food, um, too much meat product and too much processed food. Um, yeah. But, you know, again, uh, the, each civilized country faces that dilemma, you know, is, is uh, steeped into that minefield of access to convenient, affordable and tasty and healthy food. Which is a tough one. That's a tough, I call it the the, the, tr- the holy trinity of nutrition. Of, well, enemy or not, doesn't matter. But it is a tough one to fight. You know, when people have very stressed life, very busy life, and have less money. A lot of people have less money. And, and phew, my, I can only imagine with COVID now that the situation has just worsened exponentially. Uh I do have trouble to relate to that, obviously, um, as I've barely felt the effect of it, outside of the isolation uh, from somebody very dear to me. And uh, But outside of that, yeah, not... Uh, well, only last spring when we were confined, we were not allowed to go out. That was <laughs> not being able to go out to do my exercise to run. That was a little frustrating at first, but no, I can't complain. So, yes, I don't uh, I don't view the Spanish diet for sure. During my Camino de Santiago, I was really surprised. I really thought there was going to be more vegetables somehow, more produce on a plate. I don't know what I thought I remember from 2002, but that definitely was not the case. Uh, And also something that the US does not have. So of course, you know, the the convenience and the Trinity, the US is definitely addicted to it. And so is the rest of the world now more and more. But uh, the US does not have that root anchored in tradition like you have in France, in Spain, in Germany, in all those countries where they have a rich heritage in 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 the gastronomic identity as far as the country is concerned. And that is very relevant because it is deeper than than those things. It is part of who you are, who you consider yourself to be. And if you have no interest in challenging that preconceived notion of your identity in in terms of your ego, how your ego defines itself, I would dare say it's going to be almost impossible to change because those foods are you. And therefore, what's the point of living if you are not you? And if that's understanding, you know, is linked to that kind of connection. And in the case of food, Spain has a very strong relation. I mean, I cannot speak of all the countries, but definitely France. I'm pretty darn sure Germany. uh, Or England, I'm sure (laughs) Glad of letting go of the horrible tradition. <laughs> when I lived in London, yeah, that was a that was a one-page cooking book, uh, English gastronomy that uh, is worth putting aside. And uh, I'm sure they're grateful that the French got along and and helped and Indian and Chinese and all those countries to to create a new cultural identity in a cities that is. But uh, yeah, Spain, Italia, Italy, and uh, France wow, they have, that's a very, very strong uh, connection, very strong tradition, very deeply rooted. Um, I remember, you know, when I was, uh, when I was a cook in the early 90s, before I moved to England, which of course, that, that uh, uh, national divorce from my country of origin changed a lot of things. Um, But yeah, I was eating exactly like everybody else. And Anybody would have told me different. I would have thought it was a joke. I would not have listened. So I can appreciate this is not an easy one to overcome when this is all you've ever known, unless you're mis- miserable or, or whatever it is. There are just a small perc- there is a small percentage of people who somehow I don't know if I don't know the word willing or able. It doesn't even make sense. But somehow. They have that opportunity to explore a different part or different, a different part, a different character of what it means to be who they are within their country, within the professional context or whatever it may be. And, and the mold somehow does not contain them anymore, it does not contain them anymore. Sorry about uh, my sloppy articulation this morning not pronouncing very well so uh, yeah it was interesting the, the conversation about, with Ruben you know and I, I think I am definitely becoming more aware of when I am judgmental and uh, I don't like it I really do not like it so now in, in a topic like you know what do you think about uh, you know the Spanish diet I say well from where I'm standing I think you know but it's not I know Oh, I know what Spain should do or how they should eat. Now, of course, I have ideas. Uh, I have, uh, you know, um, based on, on some science. But you know that science is also biased, like anything related to the human mind is biased. It is not objective. Uh, you know, mine is linked to, uh, I believe, a plant-based diet is better for health, for individual health, for health of the planet, and for the health of the animal and compassion toward the animal which to me is very important and uh, all i see left when it comes to you know meat product and processed food or fried food is the pleasure it gives you at the moment so it's a hedonistic value i don't see it as a holistic value i don't see it as integrative it's it's just in, in, yeah. It's it's like a, a proxy for a drug. It just gives you that high. Oh, that ice cream was awesome. Oh, those French fry, that hamburger. You know, uh, you're not gonna hear that from a bowl of rice or potato or, uh, you know, a cabbage, uh, whatever it may be. Or, or actually, fruit can be amazing, but you're not gonna, you're not gonna be able to eat that much. It's not addictive like that kind of food is, but. Topic for another day, my fellow travelers and fellow pilgrim. I think for now we'll leave it at that. Thank you again for being here. Thank you for whether or not being here or not, giving me that opportunity for me to reach out and to connect myself with the rest of the world through that silly podcast of mine, which brings a smile. It does. I enjoy doing it. And that's the best bit. That's the best bit, well, the best piece. It is an offering. Yeah, no expectation. Both ways. Just something fun, something light. A gift. So I hope this gift will be of use to somebody out there. And if it is the case, wow, well, wonderful. And if it's not, well, I'll keep trying. Until next time, my fellow travelers. Um